0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my guest is Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we'll be talking about his new book, Into the Nothing, a spiritual autobiography. Dr. Gabriel Cousins' Into the Nothing is uh, about the wild, courageous, adventurous, mystical life that leads to his spiritual liberation. This book, destined to be a spiritual classic, takes us through his unique process of spiritual awakening along several paths. The yogic path of life, including seven years immersed in a globally traveling ashram, the Torah, more specifically the Kabbalistic and Essene teachings that are the most mystical aspect of Judaism, and the Native American tradition where he braved the extreme spiritual trials of initiation to become a Native American sun dancer, eagle dancer, and spirit dancer. All of these aided him in his quest into the nothing where he experienced his consciousness beyond the perceived restriction of mind and body and the state where true freedom lies. Today, the 77-year-old, renowned, holistic physician, mystical, a spiritual mystic, rabbi, yogi, psychiatrist, family therapist, vital at any age advocate, humanitarian and peace ambassador, walk the planet in a state of uh, eternal presence, see, seeing the emanating light from all things, and yet living in the very real world, where his good works and spiritual guidance change lives daily for more information, you can visit the website into the nothingbook.com okay everyone again today my special guest is dr. Gabriel Cousins. Uh, welcome to the show dr. Cousins uh, Robert, I'm
1: very happy to be on your show and I what I like to do as we begin the show is give a little opening prayer which is about merging of the heavens and earth and what we call the heart and the mind so it just takes a second sounds perfect okay so let the Folks, just merge the heart and mind. Okay.
0: Perfect setup. Okay, good. So we're ready All to right. start. Ralph, well, got that connection going. So um, I usually like to start the show by having the guests give a little bit of a background um, about their journey, just so that the the listeners will have a kind of a frame of reference. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your spiritual path?
1: Sure. Sure. And I I lay it out in my spiritual autobiography, which people are welcome to read, of course, Into the Nothing. Um, It starts when I'm uh, less than one years old. How does it start then? I had TB. That's in 1943. It was a death sentence. And so I'm introduced into the whole energy of death at the beginning of my life. I'm born into death. That is a pretty dramatic way to begin your life. Okay? <laughs> and and
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the next 33 years, uh, I was asked the question, what is the mystery of death? And when I'm asking that question, I'm not talking about an intellectual response. Okay? I'm talking about to really get it. Really get it. Uh, in that process, uh, when I was 16, my older brother was killed in a car accident. He and I were very, very close. And my father five years later died, and my mother uh, 12 years after that. So I have I had this question get bigger and bigger, and I'm just gonna start back a little bit. So after my brother died, I began meditating. Actually, even before that. When I was four years old, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, and no one in my family had any medical background whatsoever. So I don't know, I was like this voice of God speaking. And when I was eight, I began having more more visions of uh, people in white uh, who I later began to see who they were. And then my mother died at 16, and I began to meditate spontaneously in his room, and at that time, I uh, also began to build a heart-lung machine, which uh, in the 1950s was uh, very unique. They hadn't really begun so much in the hospital, but I was uh, kind of a little uh, focused, being a doctor interested in being a doctor, and I built a heart-lung machine that actually won the state science. Okay, Hmm. okay. And then I, at the same time, this is really important, I really love playing football. Now, we can say, hey, what, is, what does that have to do with spiritual life? But for me, playing football, and I was uh, National Football Hall of Fame, uh, captain of an undefeated college, Amherst College football team, 1964, I, I found myself going beyond my limitations. And in that, beyond even the zone, kind of into almost uh, disappearing as a separate ego. I began to have a tremendous amount of ecstatic experiences as I went beyond myself. And, And that was really my introduction to spiritual life, was going beyond myself. And then meditation took me being further beyond myself. That's kind of as it evolved until I was... 33 when I met Swami Muktananda who I received Shaktipat from which is the awakening of the spiritual energy which is he has since empowered me. I was, lived with him in the my whole family really in a traveling ashram and also mostly in India uh, for, for seven years and at the end of seven years he acknowledged me as uh, liberated Yogi and empowered me to also be a transmission of this spiritual energy which in the east is called Kundalini the west we call it Raha Kadesh some people call it the Holy Spirit depending on what your tradition is but uh, I, I, he empowered me with the, the level of intensity to awaken the Kundalini energy which I've been doing since 1982 now, that happened in 1982. So, and then the yogic tradition continued. It was meditating six hours a day and chanting four and a half hours a day. I was pretty, I would say, pretty intense with this. Plus, I have two young children. Uh, Fortunately, my wife was very supportive there in that setting. So, I Raising a family is is part of the whole thing, too. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: All that that is going on.
1: And and then I did a 40 day fast, 1983. uh, And at the 40th day, a little voice rang out and said, You need to go to your roots. Okay. For me, that was the, uh, the, the biblical roots, the Torah roots, the Jewish roots. And so I began to pursue that pretty intensely uh, and eventually became literally a, a rabbi. With that I also wrote a book, Torah as a Guide to Enlightenment. In other words, how do I take this tradition which isn't really so focused on enlightenment, like the yoga tradition was, but from the yoga tradition, I could see deeply that it was all there, that enlightenment tradition in the the Western, in the biblical tradition. And along the way, uh, when I was 60, I also became a Native American sun dancer. I was uh, very intrigued by that. One of the three figures that I saw from the age of eight crazy horse. But that didn't get clear until I really began uh, to do the uh, sun dance, an eagle dance uh, over that uh, four-year cycle. So those three traditions kind of wove together, each giving its own gifts to uh, further support it. The awakening, the liberation part really happened in India, but the Interfaith doesn't really talk to it in the same way. These three traditions became very alive and, and uh, part of the whole path that I teach, so to speak, because they became part of me, or have become part of me. Yeah. In the whole wow. path of liberation, uh, there's a, a refinement. Part of that refinement, it's what, it's what i point pointed in my book, uh, again, uh, into nothing, is that every, the world is the spiritual teacher. All, all our experiences help us reach the higher plane if we so choose. He is so choose. That's a, the important mm-hmm. part of that story, right? And uh, that's what, uh, part of it, uh, And that urge for the divine had obviously been very much activated. So, all these are, you know, play important roles. And I outline it in my book because it's like this whole journey uh, of going into the nothing. Now, what does into the nothing mean? That was my
0: next question.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, into nothing means that there's a place in meditation where you go beyond the mind into the primordial, I'm going to say, chaos. Uh, It's actually described in in the the first day of of Genesis. But in that primordial chaos, it's prior to time and space. There's only uh, prior to existence. And into nothing means you literally, you're, Ego identification with a body, with the mind, disappears, and you become totally one with the divine. That's what that means. So hmm. that's the 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 key with with the path, so to speak. Yeah, um,
0: we well, you know there's. I'm gonna um, there's a, a few. Topics within what you just outlined that I kind of want to just jump into real quick, um, just because they they just stood out. Like, first of all, the idea um, you mentioned when you were sixteen um, about um, meditating spontaneously. Now, a lot of people really try hard, you know, to to meditate. So the idea of meditating spontaneously is probably something that you know a lot of people haven't heard of. So can you tell us exactly? What that was, what that felt like, what it was like, what was the experience?
1: Interesting. No one one has ever asked that question. So, uh, my older brother, as I mentioned, had died, and I was building this heart lung machine in his room, a little bit as a way of connecting. And I would uh, just stop at certain times and just go into in the meditation you know, for long periods of time. I would just sit and go into the silence. And was, so that's mm. the spontaneous part. I didn't I say, oh, I'm going to meditate. I didn't even know what that word was. I think the 1950s? Mm. Do we really... I mean, whoever heard of that? So, uh, real, I mean, obviously, it's been going on for thousands of years, but in, in my yeah. world, In the suburbs of Chicago, outside Chicago, that wasn't what people Mm -hmm. did. Okay? So, uh, but the energy, I would feel the energy and I would just go into his presence and and feel the oneness, and that was the silence beyond the mind. So,
0: and that was regular. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, you know, it's good to know because, you know, I think maybe people may have had that experience but didn't know how to frame it, you know what I mean, or, or recognize it. And, oh, and, I,
1: uh, I didn't either yeah. at that time. That was just what's happening. Yeah. I'm, I look back on mm-hmm. it because I didn't know the word meditation really. I look back and tell him, oh, that's probably what I was doing. My mind was completely quiet. And I'm just sitting there feeling the present. Yeah
0: yeah yeah the um you know it's one of these things that you know these things have been going on and they continue to go on and it's just you know every now and then we'll have an awareness you know or you know an awareness of, of what that is and that that kind of shifts from that point now you indicated also that um part um of that journey was the travelling ashram never heard of a travelling ashram. Um
1: well, either yeah. I. <laughs> Go I. Okay.
0: I was gonna say, you know, I mean what is it? Is it I mean can you tell us tell us a little bit about you know what that experience
1: was like. So so around Mustinanda there was depending in different times, two to ten thousand people would so we were we were I met him in Oakland California, there's an ashram there, and, I was, and then we moved down to be there, and they went to uh, you know, Los Angeles, we were there for a year, you know, so, and, and everybody went. Okay, and then he has a Mena mm-hmm. Ashram in Southwestern State, New York, and again, you know, everybody went there found their places. And then we went to India, where his main ashram was in And, you know, we lived in the ashram there. So it was this collective of people, you know, between two and 10,000 people, depending, you know, on the situation, wow. who, were, who were literally wherever we went, except camp, we in meditations, and he, you know, kind of ran the show. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, so it, literally, we I mean, Yeah. Rather, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So wherever he would go, we would go, and he'd set up the programs, and it was just a continual thing. It'd be a few months in each place. I think. Wow. And a year in right. India. It was a year off of India.
0: Wow, that that's fascinating. Anyway, I hadn't heard it, and and, and I just, yeah, yeah, I'm no, sure a lot I'm, of the audience hadn't heard such
1: a thing. Yeah. Right, and along with that, actually, what made it possible is we have got a lot of support for our family. My kids were five years old and eight years old. Not only did they participate in meditation, and because he he felt as I do that children are totally capable of meditating, you know, at five years old. Okay. So they were expected to be part of really the you know, schedule, but they had their own school, they had their own friends, and everybody kind of kept going. The school would go with us and the teachers were, uh, were involved as well. so it was a lot of families who would travel with us and they would set up the school and we do so it kind of went like that.
0: Wow, very, very interesting so. I just wanted to, to get a better understanding of that. So, um, one of the things um, it mentions about your, your um, "Into the Nothing" a spiritual autobiography is that this particular journey has led to your spiritual liberation. Can you tell us what what is meant by spiritual liberation?
1: Yeah, now that's a big topic. Those are good questions. So. The liberation process, the, the very first step, because liberation isn't an end point, it's a beginning point. So think that way and it makes it a little, it makes more sense. So after the seven years with Muktananda, uh, uh, up to a few days before he left his body, which we didn't know was going to happen, I'm just uh, intensely involved with meditation, and I, I have had a second, uh, who, who, who was actually the first person acknowledged by uh, Muktananda as liberated in 1969, Swami Prakashananda. And I, since there were thousands of people, I didn't have a lot of, didn't try to take a lot of personal time with Muktananda, but I was close to Swami Prakashananda. I'm explaining what's going on in the shifts in my consciousness, uh, which I'll get to in just a second, and then he said, well, you know, you're actually liberated. But well, what does that mean? Hmm. Okay, so it's it, not that the ego is totally gone, because that's not really the truth. Particularly that liberation is is a, is a spectrum. First, we have self-realization. You know, you, the truth of who you are is uh, not the body, not the mind, not the personality but the light of God within yourself. Self-realization. So you realize that self. So so you're no longer identified with any outer forms or mm-hmm. any ideas of who you are. So if you're not identified with any ideas or any form like your body, uh, you become free. Your mind is empty and you become Of all the thought hooks that we're programmed with, you know, from day one, actually before day one. In our womb, we're we're picking up our mother's thought hooks as well. That's been validated, and you know, researchers have discovered that. Mm -hmm. So, but that's not liberation, that's a quality of liberation. Another quality of liberation. Is one access that what I'm going to call non causal joy, non causal peace, non causal love, non causal wonder, non causal harmony, non causal compassion. They are the natural qualities of who we are. They come that as you go deeper into the truth of who you are, the light of the divine of who you are, the light of God, you begin to access those qualities that are there. It's it's just who we are. It's who everybody is. So that's another part of the liberation process.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: A third part is kind of going beyond the mind. You're not confined in your mind. You're free from all the platforms. So And there's something just beyond that that's indescribable. And only if you're liberated can you see it in somebody else. It's an indescribable awareness that's beyond normal awareness. So those are just kind of some ideas of uh, Mm. some descriptions. Okay. But it's endless. Okay. So what he said to me when Prakash Nanda acknowledged me, he said, "You're at the beginning. I'm somewhere in the middle." He talked about himself. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there is a place where you actually disappear, and so it's called God merging. Self-realization, step one, or part one, the God merging. And, and, and there's very very few people who who were who were ever wake up to that state and there happened to be be the person uh there who uh he introduced me to who just living by himself yeah. well, so yeah. uh, what I'm trying to say is it's a spectrum it's not this is it.
0: Done. Well, we're um, about halfway through the show, Dr. Cousins. I want to take just a quick break, um, and I do want to invite listeners since we're streaming live. that if they want to call in and ask any questions, they can dial 619-789-4359 and listeners in the chat room, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to type them in there. Um, it's only a 90-second break, and then when we come back, um, Dr. Cousins, um, I want to go into a little bit deeper about non-causal you know, joy, happiness, those things. The the non-causal aspect, that one just stood out again, and I want to go into deeper about that. Okay, Okay. so everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and tune in. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. And also, in addition to those uh, platforms you mentioned in the the spot, uh, we have added uh, Spotify and Google Play. So today, my special guest is Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we are talking about his life journey as well as his new book Into the Nothing a spiritual autobiography for more information you can visit his website which is www.intothenothingbook.com okay with that we're back dr cousins
1: yeah i just <laughs> excuse me i just want to mention that all my programs are listed at treeoflife.mn .co or just drcousins.co so all that's there, There's the easy ways to access all the things that we do if people want to go further like okay let's I'm giving meditations now over the internet that works really well And the Shaktipati, the Awakening Kundalini or the Raha it works really well over the internet amazingly so And so we're uh, once a month I'm giving you a meditation retreat this December 21st we're also doing a program for uh, moving into the age of Aquarius so it'll be a half hour meditation uh, that we're doing that will be uh, worldwide to bring people in to support this transition because the age of Aquarius begins really in Israel now but it's 8.20pm Israel time and then you just go wherever you are in the United States and you know, 10, 20 on the West Coast, and uh, uh, so forth. So all that's happening, and you can tune into those websites. The book can also be gotten at those websites as well as Into the Nothing uh, book. So those are the the websites uh, and ways to contact and reach me. We'll mention it again at the end. If you want to continue and go deeper, because we have programs
0: like the
1: spiritual fasting retreat, I have a special thing called the Yoga of the Mind or Yana Yoga that that helps you clear the negative, really even positive thought forms of the mind to create that quiet mind. Uh, So, as well as the meditation retreats I do on a monthly basis. Again, coming up.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The 18th of December. Meditation. Okay.
0: Great. Lots left to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, I will have you close with that too. Just uh, again for so people yeah. to to be able to check it. Um, so the the one before the break, I mentioned. You know, you mentioned the word or the phrase non-causal, like joy or happiness, and, and it it just struck me. And I understand what you're saying. Is that it's just that. that is our natural, that's a natural state. That's kind of what we are at (laughs) nothing. Um, But um, one of the things is, is that I don't think um, quite often we look at causes for joy or happiness. I mean, it's, it's kind of been, it seems relegated to responding to something with, that emotion rather than have it be in a state of being. So can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, there's just yes, the idea of non-causal just kind of stuck out.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. i want to say all your questions are really great. You're just right on the mark. Oh, thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So you're welcome. So part of the liberation state, but not exclusive to that is as we begin to experience the inner self, We begin to experience non-causal, meaning no outer cause, this infinite joy, this infinite love, this infinite peace. Nothing outside is doing that. And that is what's meant by non-causal. It's just who we are when we begin to access it. It's just what happens. Now, let's say you're in a relationship and Often we think the other person is the cause of love. Well, when you begin to access the non-causal love of who you are, one understands that the other person is activating your awareness of that and they're adding to it. They're not the cause of the love that you're experiencing. And that's, I do a lot of work uh, as a family therapist in addition to being a psychiatrist. That's a key thing. So, when you are accessing that nine causal love with, with, within yourself, and the other person is doing it, it, just amplifies the love to a whole other level. But then you know, it becomes you. You you don't get codependent on the other person as the source mm-hmm. of your love. That's a, a kind of more of a classic example, because all this is within us. It's our natural state of being, and that's part of. Yeah. A big part of what happens in the whole liberation process, I'm going to use the word process, it doesn't just happen and that's the end. Uh, What uh, I'm going to add when we're teaching to that is that over time, we begin to understand that we are multidimensional beings. And so one becomes liberated on on the physical plane, the emotional plane, the mental plane, Let's going to say astral plane, the subtle body planes, and the spiritual plane. So there are multiple levels of which we wake up on. And so knowing you're a multidimensional being it's a little bit more of also a shamanic uh, understanding because you become the walker between the different worlds of your life. Uh, most people think we're just this physical body, but no, we have the subtle body level spiritual body levels so all that begins to open up as well as part of the process and they're all connected because more deep to all that is the experience of the self that radiates all these other ongoing experiences and that's part of the enlightenment internal experience Hmm. yeah the, the
0: Number of worlds that you, you just talked about and in, in kind of navigating or living in, you know, it's all simultaneous, correct? And yes, so, yeah, but it,
1: it, 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 so, yeah. go ahead, it's all simultaneous. As well.
0: No, well, I was going to say, you know, that it, that it to me, I mean, how, um, how does for, for you, I mean, you've got all of these, you know dimensions, so how do you, um, uh, I would say determine, uh, do they just come into t- play when needed, you know, or, or you know, are those different rules that you seek out, um, you know, I, I just think that it's, you know, the idea of being multidimensional, I can understand, you know, we have all of these, you know, and people can look at them as different roles in life, maybe, you know, to kind of give an idea, I um, know, you know, just a micro level, but, how, uh, how does one navigate?
1: Again, interesting um, multiple
0: questions. dimensions.:
1: So here we are talking. So I need to be in the mental, right? I have to be in my body to do this, right? I have to mm-hmm. you know be in my emotional body and also in the mental body. So I can track my consciousness down into those areas because that's the appropriate thing to do. Okay, but on my okay. own, I really just be in a. I'm going to say again, meditating or into the nothing means that you really disappear as a separate entity into the primordial nothing. That's the key of the book, and that took me a long time to figure out what was going on. But that's a natural state. But it's, you can't do that walking around mm-hmm. because. <laughs> you know, you're not. Your body just up your ears, right? What are you going to do? Right. Okay. Um, right. But, but I, for example, I tested this out a little bit. How real is this? So, uh, mm-hmm. 1985, I had a hernia, and so I talked to the doctor into letting no anesthetic. Let's see what happened. Very freaky for doctors. Now, you're in the hospital. Very freaky. I, I was only in right. the hospital, you know? And I just went into this other dimension, what we call pratyahara, and, and I didn't feel a thing. Done. The whole operation hmm. goes on. You're, you're cutting me you open. You're doing this. You know? I don't know. I'm not feeling anything. Because I was in a place beyond where the symptoms exist. Hmm. So uh-huh. we can choose to go into a particular zone, so to speak, a particular level. So we have choices mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and so you kind of also choose. You see, you have at two levels, right? So obviously I chose to do that, you know, with meditation, going into this level called Kachahara. Yeah, this is good. But on the other hand, you're walking around, you're going to drive a car, you better be in your physical body. You better be paying attention. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's very practical. It's not like you're just spaced out all the time. Now, at a certain level, you may choose to be gone into the nothing. And I met a person like that, a peer, a book of actually a uh, co-disciple from Nityananda, uh, who it was his guru. He um, was just lying there in total bliss. Mm-hmm. So that's wow. kind of another level of where this could go. Um, it doesn't really appeal much to Westerners because we're more active. I know for myself, I can go into those places. When at the 40-day fast, I was in it that way for the last three days of the fast. I was without food, without water, and just the constant space of bliss to the point I couldn't really even move. And then uh, wow. God said, "Look, you can come back to any time, but it is not time to leave your body. It's not time to do this. You're." Your mission is to be in the world, awakening as many people as possible. So go back to your truth. Yeah. You, so, there's God intervened, you know, because it's right. very blissful to be there. Put it that way. I world.
0: bet. I bet. It's it's nice to have nice to have that guidance um, for sure. Now you, you mentioned just. Briefly, something about the fasting um, aspect, and and that was kind of going to lead right into my my next question, which is perfect. Um, and it was, um, you know, you, you talk about um, the role of diet, um, and you know what you know what one eats can become help one become a superconductor of the divine. So. We're all eating. <laughs> Every, I mean, unless we're fasting, but I mean, generally speaking, we're, we're all eating. So, can you cool. give us maybe uh, your perspective of of just um, the importance of and you know what w- what kind of advice would you give regarding the importance of nutrition okay. to
1: it. liberation? So, mm-hmm. let me start with how how I got interested in this. So, 1975, I received Shaktipat, the Awakening which, again, it's a, I've been empowered to do. It is accessible, but people, people who just go to my website, they can connect the access points of how to tune in. So I go into the nothing. First real time of doing that. As I come down, a little voice, God voice, the whisper of God written, says, hey. it didn't say, hey. You, you should learn to <laughs> eat. You should learn to eat in a way that activates, and enliven the Kundalini. I wasn't really sure what Kundalini was, but, you know, I obviously got the message. And that began my interest. Like, how do you eat in a way that supports the spiritual process? So that's 1975. And so in 1986, I wrote my first book, which is the way... the um, spiritual nutrition of the rainbow diet. Okay, so what was the the purpose? Well, you already quoted the first statement, is how do we eat in a way that helps us become superconductors of of the divine? So that was my assignment. It's not like I chose to do that. That was my assignment. Now, one of the key things that I'm sharing, and I share in my book, Into the Nothing, is when God gives you an assignment, pay attention So, uh, I began to explore, and I had thousands of people I was working with. What was the best diet? So, what I saw was a plant based or what we call vegan diet. Uh, I I won't go into the whole rap about it, but basically, we have, and I was given, as I described in the book, into nothing. A total picture of the subtle anatomy. We have seventy-two thousand nadis, which are subtle energy channels through which the Kundalini really flows. Three main ones: Ida, Pingala, and Shushumna. Central one is Shushumna. Now, you can read that in the book, but I was given it because I didn't want to read books. I was too busy mm-hmm. meditating. Okay. And what was given to me is. The uh, flow of the kundalini is blocked by the energy of death. It's blocked by meat, fish, chicken, and dairy, which is supposed contain the energy of death in them. And so don't eat that. Because you don't want to do anything to block the, the flow of the kundalini. In these simple channels called the nadis, but it's specific to Shishimna, the simple channel. So I began to evolve a diet that best facilitated the flow of the spiritual energy, which we call Kundalini. That's actually what I did. Uh, And I I found, and for myself, it was 100% plant-based vegan diet, and I'm going to say 99 to 100% live food. Now, most people don't do uh, 99% live food, okay? That's a lot for people. But a lot of people can do 80%. So, what I mm-hmm. recommend is uh, do 100% plant based. There's no death. You're got taking death in, that blocks the flow of the kidney. And the 80% activates because the light food has a lot more energy in it. Uh, it activates the flow of all the energy in the body. So, that's the, the fundamentals mm-hmm. of it. Uh, I did add that we are, have unique uh, constitutions that are literally genetically different. Uh, some people need more protein, fat. Other people need more healthy complex carbohydrates. And that's a genetic thing. It's not, oh, I feel like this, or I feel like that, too. It's genetic. Uh, I mean, it's like So... Uh, I began just outlining and helping people align with their genetic tendencies. And that becomes the diet success. Now, the second part of it is don't eat too much. That's the uh-huh. big. People eat that. I don't care how perfect your diet is. If you're eating too much, it's not going to give you what you want. It's still going to burden your system. Over time, mm-hmm. I've gotten down to, and I'm not trying, okay, but the flow is, just a little bit of, uh, in the morning, and one meal really at lunch, that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then maybe a soup or maybe, you know, obviously liquid you want to keep hydrated um, at a dinner time. So I'm not recommending people start at that point, but I've evolved to that very simple eating. And I will say, at age 77, uh, I do a thousand push ups every three days, every three times a week. Um, Wow. And so I've gotten stronger and more flexible. When I started, I couldn't even cross my legs, and I could sit in full lotus for long periods of time. So it works. Okay. But there's an old saying the less you eat, the longer you live. That's for sure true, but the less you eat, the easier it is for the spiritual energy to flow. Now, the mistake would be, oh, you stop eating. That's not not what we're talking about. You you should, once you reach your optimal weight, either gain or lose weight. So that's the right amount that you should be eating. That's pretty simple. You can just, you eat too much, you gain weight. You eat too little, you lose weight. Okay, let's find the place where I'm stable. And that's what I recommend to people. Get you away from things like anorexia and things like that. But so, no, it just you want your optimal weight and you want to be stable at your optimal weight. So that's how I do that, and of course become a super conductor of the flow of the Kundalini or what we call Ra-Kadash or spiritual energy. So that's kind of how I evolve the diet, and as I say, okay. you know, plant-based. Uh, without dairy It's not lacto Over vegetarian It's just plant based basically vegan But 80% lacto Yep
0: Well great That gives I think that gives The listeners an, an idea Of where to start You know Where where to yeah. begin And then I and, That's
1: a books yeah. Out there Nutrition The Rainbow Diet Conscious Eating I go into All the details Yeah That was yeah. part Of the mission
0: Great right. Yeah. Well, now um, one of the things that I was wondering is um, obviously with the variety of um, perspective, the, the the training or or exposure that you've had and to different cultures. Um, what would we say were maybe the top one or or two experiences you know from either from the native American the Indian the yogic or the judaism where, where what would you say were maybe one of the top two um kinds of experiences you would call mystical or most people would call mystical
1: well it's it's actually hard to say because it's a way of life. So I don't count, I don't focus on experiences. So every day I'm Mm -hmm. meditating, Meditating I'm going into the nothing, I disappear into the nothing, there's no I left. That's on a daily basis. I am doing exercises and I'm kind of in this blissed out state. That's just what's going on. So I I call it kind of a way of life that supports Mm -hmm. being in that uh, inner ecstasy, in a regular way. And that's so. Initially, like in 1975, going beyond the mind, dissolving into the to the bliss of the divine, and, and literally into nothing, even beyond that. That was a the first time I've experienced that. That was pretty primal. Okay. But mm. then, as you do it, it just starts to happen every day. So it's like, it's not a experience. It's like a state of being Mm -hmm. that begins to happen for you, if that makes sense. No, it does. does. Yeah, in my book, I I talk about, you know, level, pins, and nothing is a, I call it the holistic way of liberation. And I include the different aspects that support the way of liberation that keeps you in that, that supports you being in that inner awareness. I I call them the six foundations, seven full pieces. So I'm looking at every layer. So we have the diet. I love to do sacred dance. I just love the dance, you know. Kind of, my my styles were wild, but okay. I like to do it. I like to meditate. I like, well, I, I do the yoga every day. I do the breathing. I do service and charity. We have uh, 40, uh, we're in 42 different, uh, 26 different countries with over a hundred programs, mostly around uh, organic, organic nutrition and diabetes prevention, which is an area that I have some expertise in. All over the world, Latin Africa, Mexico, different places, and uh, with Native Americans here Okay? That's service and charity. That's mm-hmm. part of it. because You're connecting your heart with other people. You're not just hiding out in a the cave. Then uh, as much meditation as possible prayer, uh, repeating the name of God, and then working as I did with the spiritual teacher. Now, as a spiritual teacher, people do with me. It's just kind of a cycle of things. And then as much meditation as possible, I recommend at least an hour a day. Uh, two hours a day is really, really good. A uh, uh, kind of sunrise, sunset times. And then as much shaktipat as possible. That's actually a court. In, uh, in, in the Western, we call it haniha. Okay? Uh, in the more biblical tradition. So that's a whole way of life that everything is feeding into the other. All of which helps you go beyond the mind. Now I mentioned Sevenfold Peace, which covers peace with the body, which we just said, peace with the mind, a peace with the family, sacred relationships is a path to the divine. When I marry people as a rabbi, it's like, remember, this is this isn't just about kids. This is this is about choosing a path that can help you become uh, liberated. If you if you have that viewpoint of what you're doing in the relationship. So it's a sacred relationship. is a commitment to be working with each other in the way that elevates you to liberation. So, okay, right. and then we have yeah. relationship with the community, relationship with all cultures. Native American, that means the living earth, the planet people, the animal people, the human people, and then sacred ecology, and then peace with God. So we, I call it very multi-dimensional, and when you're working on all those levels, you're awakening on all those levels. Mm-hmm. So the model I get, which is from my own experience, not because I wonder it from somebody, because it's not really out there, is a the holistic way of liberation. So I'm talking about one with the living planet. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about anything environmental. The, it's a oneness in which you, of course, will treat the environment well because it's part of your body. That's part yeah. of it. Yep, exactly. So exactly. Exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're done. done. Take a picture
0: of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're done to the end of the show here, uh, Dr. Cousins. So, but I do want to give um, you that uh, time to, again, mention the other websites and those upcoming events so that people can check it out.
1: Before I do that, Robert, I want to acknowledge you for asking really great questions and I want to bless you you to continue such good work of getting, you know, these teachings out to the world. So thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay.
1: I appreciate that. Good. Now, um, you know, particularly in this world today, it's a little complicated. How do we get out? So we've kind of moved everything to the internet at this moment. Uh, and I have found that we can awaken the Kundalini, or Ruha Kadesh, Hania, over the internet. So I've designed, designed some programs. I have a monthly meditation retreat uh, over the internet, uh, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. The next one is December. I think the nineteenth, 19th, uh, nineteenth, twenty. Uh, sorry, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twenty-first, but monthly. And we're meditating three times a day and people get shocked about three times a day and we have different discussions and lots of time for spiritual questions and answers because people need support. This is a difficult time yeah. in the world for people. So I make a lot of space for people to ask questions and uh, kind of work on the spiritual stuff. So that's one. The other one I do is spiritual fasting, which we are doing over the internet and we go through in detail because fasting really helps you get more in touch with the light of God that you are. It just happens when you eat less, you kind of wake (laughs) up more. It's the way it is. And and so it's, yes, there are physical benefits for sure. um, But we're really getting the spiritual benefits of really more deeply connecting to your soul. One of the biggest problems we face today, particularly in America is people there's so much outer activity that people forget about their own soul and get disconnected and then run into all kinds of difficulties. So part of my work is helping people reconnect with their soul. So the spiritual fast is a very powerful way. We do seven days a juice fast. Okay, with meditating really, again, three times a day and lots of questions and answers. And the third is really what we call yoga or yoga of the mind. It's learning. I, I teach a way to uh, dissolve the negative and actually the positive thoughts from the mind. We want to have a mind that's empty of all thoughts, not just negative thoughts. So I, I teach people a variety of ways to uh, work on yourself to clear your mind. It's a three-day course. So those are the three main courses I'm teaching over the Internet at this point. Wow. Great. And then we'll see what happens after that. So that's what we're doing. And then, obviously, the book into people a pretty good feeling for the the whole wild, uh, mystical trip of this spiritual path. I kind of see myself as this liberated, wild mystic. I, I just <laughs> enjoy it. I just enjoy the play yeah, of life. There you go. We that's, are all different styles and models, and I enjoy the play of life. So I'm dancing yeah. and enjoying it, okay? So, and
0: that journey is giving you a lot of toys to play with. So that's for
1: yeah. sure. And I want to emphasize <laughs> the joy part. A lot of people think spiritual life is, is, is severe and austere. The inner joy is what helps us connect to the divine. That's the key. So it's a big joy ride to God. Think about it that way. <laughs> uh, so if mm. we're living in a way that's not getting us in touch with the inner joy, I, I, I think people should challenge themselves. Am I really on the right track here? Yep.
0: Very much. And joy is one of my favorite topics. My first book was called Joy Potential, Where You'd Least Expect It. And it was all about oh, yeah. where you can find joy in, in everyday life. So, well, Dr. Cousins, this has really been a great conversation. I really want to thank you for your time. I have really enjoyed our conversation. Great.
1: Good. And if people want to access me, you know, it's, it's treeoflife.mn.co uh, or drcousins.com.
0: Great. Thank you for your time. Again, everyone, t- today my special guest. I'm sorry. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we've been talking about his new book, Into the Nothing: A Spiritual Autobiography. Um, you can find out more about the book um, at uh, intothenothingbook.com, and you can also find out more um, about. Uh, Dr. Cousins, um, his online community, blog, calendar everything by at a tree com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show and until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from blog Talk radio iTunes, TuneIn and iHeartRadio To follow our show visit our homepage at ByteRadio.me and select the platform you use most You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Radio Me. Until we meet again remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch